There's no doubt that Shane Beamer and South Carolina want to figure out their starting offensive line after this second scrimmage. But the real question is, what could the starting offensive line look like? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. South Carolina is set to hold their second scrimmage of fall camp on Saturday And I think we all know at this point, the biggest question that South Carolina wants to answer is, what is the lineup going to look like on the offensive line? And I do believe that after Saturday's scrimmage, Shane Beamer, offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley, and the Gamecocks will have a good idea of what this starting offensive line will look like. Now, I got a quick confession that I've got to make to all of you. I said on the Thursday show that I was going to be there for practice on Thursday morning, And unfortunately, I was not able to make it. So I'm extremely sorry to all of you for the fact that I was not able to see everything that was going on at practice and therefore get a lot more details on Thursday morning. However, because of what some of the other outlets did post, I was able to see a couple of different lineups of both Safran's offense and defense. So for the offensive line, the first team O-line that took the practice field on Thursday morning per some Twitter footage from Gamecock Scoop, credit to them for the video, was Jackson Hughes at left tackle, Trey Jones at left guard, Vershawn Lee at center, Nick Argula at right guard, and Kaysen Henry at right tackle. So, using that lineup and the lineups that we have seen to this point in fall camp, I got a few different thoughts here. One, I still think that Lonnie Teasley and this coaching staff are going to rotate a few of these guys in and out of the starting lineup in practice over the next couple weeks. But scrimmage number two is going to hold more significant weight than those practices will. Because after Saturday, fall camp, in all honesty, is unofficially going to be over. And at that point, the coaching staff is going to try to set up a practice squad for both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And they're going to try to start their game preparations for North Carolina sometime early on this next week. That means that also full padded practices, full contact will also likely be out the window. And because of all of that, you can't really run a practice that is conducive for creating the kind of competition that you want at certain spots like the offensive line. So that's why I think this scrimmage is going to inevitably be sort of the final chance for some of these guys to crack this starting lineup or be that 6th, 7th, or 8th rotational piece potentially in this group. Now that leads me to my thoughts on the offensive line itself. I think that the interior, in my opinion, is pretty set at this point. I believe that Nick Argillo is going to be the left guard. I think Rashawn Lee is going to be the center. And I think Trey Jones is going to be the right guard. I've heard a lot of good things about those guys throughout the past couple of months. I am extremely confident in Vershawn Lee. 
Nick Gargiulo could play multiple spots on the interior, but I think that left guard's going to be his spot. And Trey Jones, Lonnie Teasley called him pound for pound, probably the strongest offensive lineman out of the entire room. I just don't see Trey Jones getting unseated, at least at the beginning of this season. So I think those three guys are pretty entrenched in that starting lineup. For me, the main question marks with this offensive line at this point lies at the tackle positions. So let's look at left tackle. Ja'Kai Moore and Jackson Hughes are sort of the two main names that I think we need to watch for at left tackle going into this weekend. The first time that we saw some 11-on-11 work in fall camp, Ja'Kai Moore was working at left tackle. But Jackson Hughes came back this week after being out for about the first 10-11 days. And based on some of the footage that Gamecock Scoop once again took at practice on Thursday morning... Jackson Hughes was getting the first team reps at left tackle. And both of these guys have multiple years of starting college experience at the offensive tackle position. So, who do I think is going to get that spot? Inevitably, I feel like that this is Ja'Kai Moore's job to lose. The reason why, both of these guys honestly have had a similar career path to this point at the collegiate level. Both Jackson Hughes and Ja'Kai Moore have been very inconsistent at left tackle. They've had some really good games and they've had some other games that quite honestly, they probably like to forget. But I go back to the experience factor with Ja'Kai Moore. Ja'Kai Moore has at least started a bunch of games against high level SEC competition. And he has the pass protecting ability to play on the left side of the offensive line in general. He'd probably be better suited at left guard than left tackle. But again, I feel like that left guard's going to be Nick Gargiulo's spot at least to start this year. So I feel like because of all those factors, Ja'Kai Moore, that left tackle spot is going to be his in week one. When it comes to Jackson Hughes, I honestly just don't know if he has every down ability at that left tackle spot. Right tackle, he might have a better case that he can make. Left tackle... I just don't see it. I think Ja'Kai Moore is going to be the man starting out at that spot as the Gamecocks approach their September 2nd contest against North Carolina. Now let's switch things over to right tackle. This position has got a lot more candidates that could be thrown in there. You've got Tyshawn Wanamaker, who's going to, I believe, his fourth season in the program and has started multiple games at that spot. It was a freshman All-SEC selection 2021. You've got Sidney Fugard, the Western Illinois transfer, who's gotten some first-team reps there in fall camp. You've got Kaysen Henry, who just returned this week. And, of course, you've got Jackson Hughes as well. Fugard's a guy that's apparently a good pass protector. And according to Nick Gargiulo, he moves quite well when it comes to his kick slide in pass protection. Tashawn Wanamaker, again, he's the most experienced out of this entire group at this level. But... He's had a lot of issues with inconsistencies throughout his career. Kaysen Henry, he quite literally just came back this week from an off-season procedure. But according to what he said to Shane Beamer while back at a bowling event for the team, he expects to be 100% by the time the Gamecocks take on the Tar Heels in Charlotte. And according to Gamecock Scoop's footage at practice on Thursday morning, Kaysen Henry was running with the ones at right tackle. So, out of those four guys, who do I think is going to start here in week one? I've got a feeling that Kaysen Henry is going to win this job. And the reason why is because I just think the staff thinks very highly of Kaysen Henry and his ability. Especially head coach 
Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer has mentioned Casey Henry's name multiple times in the past at press conferences. Talked about how much he's loved his progression over the past year and a half or so. How much he loves his ability. And when you go back and you watch some of his high school film, Case and Henry, he is definitely a road grader at that right tackle spot. He's got size. He's six foot seven, 300 plus pounds. He has got a mean streak to him. Case and Henry is a guy that could potentially help alleviate some of the run blocking concerns on this offensive line should he start right tackle. And again, because of how Shane Boomer has spoken of him in the past and the obvious weight that's going to carry when it comes time to make some decisions, I just feel like that Case and Henry's going to get that job. I just do. Obviously, again, taking a total shot in the dark there. But it just almost feels like that this staff, in a way, wants Case and Henry to grab the ball by the horns at right tackle and man down that spot. And so I think that he's going to get the first crack at right tackle when this season kicks off in a couple of weeks. So, to go over it real quickly... I believe the offensive line starting out in week one will be Ja'Kai Moore at left tackle, Nick Arjula at left guard, Rashawn Lee at center, Trey Jones at right guard, and Casey Henry right tackle. Clearly, a lot can change over the next couple of weeks. Maybe the competition does legitimately carry over all the way into the North Carolina game. Maybe some guys just completely show out during the scrimmage on Saturday afternoon and changes the conversation completely. But as of right now... I just feel like that that is going to be the starting five for South Carolina's offensive line unit when this season kicks off on September 2nd. Now, again, wasn't able to get a whole lot from maybe some of the things that were posted on social media, but I did see through some of, again, the video clips taken by some of these outlets that some freshmen are really making an impact and they are carving out a spot on the depth chart. And I'm going to discuss those freshmen and what all they're doing in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, just like South Carolina's offensive line unit, every part of your vehicle has to work and fit perfectly. So the next time that you need, say, a water pump, or maybe you need tires, or any other part and or accessory for your car, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you'll get your money back. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on eBay Motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. And speaking of every single day... As always, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice, whether it's on YouTube or an audio podcast app for your South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Some freshmen are continuing to make noise in practice for the South Carolina 
Gamecocks. So when I watched some of the videos that were posted by Gamecock Scoop, there was a few particular freshmen at pretty key positions, by the way, that stuck out to me as guys that were out there on the field for their particular unit. And the first one was Lenore Sellers, who continues to rep with the third string offense. He has been getting third string reps, at least from what we've been able to see so far throughout fall camp. So at this point, if there was still any doubt, I think it's pretty clear and obvious Lenore Sellers is the number three quarterback. I think Tanner Bailey has pretty much been leapfrogged at this point. It's good to see that Lenore Sellers has essentially fended off a quarterback that, you know, to Tanner Bailey's credit, had a year of college experience over him and was a decent quarterback in his own right coming out of high school. And the fact that Lenore Sellers has already leapfrogged him, you know, to some fans, they might have expected it. They might have been hoping that that was going to happen. But nonetheless, these guys still got to go out there on the practice field, and they still got to show it. And so, for Lenore Sellers to still be third string, right now, I think that that's a good thing, and it's a good sign in terms of the development of the South Carolina native. By the way, some of those passes that he threw and some of the videos that were posted on Twitter um, were dimes. Absolute dimes. Just based on a couple of those throws, the small sample size that got posted, Lenore Sellers, he is Definitely got the arm to play in the SEC. And that's not even really counting in his dual threat ability that we didn't see a whole lot. Again, in some of the videos that got posted by Gamecock Scoop. But again, Lenore Sellers right now looks like he is for sure the third string quarterback. We'll see if he's making a push to be the second quarterback on the depth chart as we get closer to the start of the season. Another notable observation from some of these videos... The guy lining up next to Lenore Sellers was DJ Braswell, the highly touted true freshman out of the state of Georgia. I know, again, from the Lockdown Gamecocks audience, this is a guy that y'all have been talking about a lot for the past couple months. And it seems like that DJ Braswell, he is starting to adjust really well to the college game. And the one thing that keeps getting thrown out about DJ Braswell when some of these other guys are talking at these pressers throughout the week they're all saying this kid is fast. And Shane Beamer, again, he himself said at USC's Media Day event a couple weeks ago that DJ Braswell is actually faster than he thought he was when he was recruiting him coming out of high school. From the sounds of it, DJ Braswell, for the first time in several years, he is a running back that is a legitimate home run threat every time he touches the football. And if you think about it, DK Joyner, it seems pretty likely he's going to start out as the number one running back for this team in week one against North Carolina. Mario Anderson Jr. has been the number two back in practice to this point. But both of those guys are kind of similar running backs at this point. And what I mean by that is to carry out Joyner and Mario Anderson Jr., they're both north-south downhill runners. They're not necessarily going to beat you with speed, although they're not slow, but they're not home run hitters. They're going to run through you. They're going to run behind their shoulder pads. They're going to be powerful downhill backs in this offense. And in Karen Joyner's case, he can also catch the football quite well out of the backfield and see the field probably better than most running backs because of the unique college experiences that he has had to this point. DJ Braswell, he could offer a totally different dimension at that running back spot. There could be times where, hey, if they want to try to bust out an outside run to the perimeter, 
they're going to call DJ Braswell's number because, look, as long as he could just find the hole and cut up field, DJ Braswell could take any run all the way to the end zone for six. So the fact that he has supplanted Bradley Dunn, a guy that's also gotten a ton of praise from some of these players and these coaches in fall camp so far, it's a good sign again for the development of another true freshman at a spot where the Gamecocks are looking to find some long-term stability in terms of the guys that could be playing there in the future. And then one other thing I wanted to talk about real quick. The Gamecocks defensive backfield, specifically the defensive backfield for the second string defense, because when watching back some of the videos that were taken at Thursday morning's practice, three freshmen, you heard me correctly, three freshmen were lining up in the secondary. Judge Collier continues to take reps in the second string at corner. I'm going to talk about him in a little more detail in a second. Jalon Kilgore, singular free safety, and Vakari Swain also was a part of this second-string secondary on Thursday morning. Now, Emery Floyd also took some reps with a first team in the defensive backfield, which probably means that O'Donnell Fortune was dealing with something that kind of kept him out of the team period portion of practice on Thursday. So, wouldn't make too much of that right now. But either way, Vicari Swain was the very next guy in line after Emery Floyd got elevated up to the starting lineup for the 11-on-11 drills on Thursday. Judge Collier is a kid that's starting to really stick out to me. This is a guy that, I have to admit, compared to some of his freshman counterparts, he did not get talked about as much. Judge Collier was kind of looked at as a guy that, you know, was an in-state kid, had a unique skill set, unique blend of athletic traits and also size as well. But he fits the mold of the kind of corner that these coaches like in this Clayton White defense. He's got a lot of length, especially in his wingspan. Go look at some photos of how long his arms are. It is absolutely ridiculous the wingspan that Judge Collier possesses. And he also is a very smart football player. He's a guy that I believe played both sides of the ball in high school. So Judge Collier, he's definitely got a leg up on some other guys. And plus, he went through spring practice. So maybe it's time we start talking about him a little bit more. We all know about Jalen Kilgore at this point. We know that he's definitely going to get some snaps probably on defense this year. And he's also, in my opinion, for sure going to make an impact on special teams, whether it is on maybe a return team or maybe it is getting after the punter as well. Maybe trying to block some kicks. We saw DQ Smith do that in 2022. Maybe Jalen Kilgore is going to fulfill that role this season. Evacari Swain had the most hype out of all these guys probably out of this recruiting class from the 2023 cycle, a guy that is definitely the future, in my opinion, at that spot. I think it could be the next high-level draft pick that gets produced here at Carolina. So it is exciting to see that all three of these guys are already getting some big-time reps in practice in this fall camp. And Nick Evan and DQ Smith, they've got a couple really good guys to look up to, along with Marcel Style, O'Donnell Fortune, a lot of veterans that have been through different experiences at South Carolina. So this secondary, in my opinion, has got a very bright future, and these three guys could spearhead that as they get into 2024 and beyond. Okay, now for the final portion of today's show, I want to go on a little bit of a rant, to be honest with y'all, about the Tennessee Volunteers and more specifically their entire attitude surrounding their game with South Carolina this upcoming season. I know 
that for everyone that's been paying attention or people that are especially on social media, y'all have seen all offseason, all the talk that has come from Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee fans, clearly, we all know this, they want to get South Carolina back in the worst way possible. And I don't think that any of us would have any issue with that because, I mean, when you get embarrassed like that, and it also ruins a chance for you to compete for a national championship. Your starting quarterback goes down with an ACL tear, which obviously was non-contact. It wasn't South Carolina's fault that that happened. But it was a very bad memory nonetheless. When all of that takes place in one night, you want to get that team back the next season. I think we all can understand where some of the Tennessee fans might come from on that front. However, as this offseason has continuously progressed, it has gone from Tennessee originally being upset with South Carolina to then Tennessee starting to say, we're going to get you back when you come to Knoxville in 2023. Okay, still fine with that. To now, almost every single Tennessee fan and even some pundits and people associated with their program are going online, going on social media, and they're all sitting there saying, we're going to beat the brakes off the Gamecocks. We're going to beat y'all by at least three scores. We're going to hang 70-plus on you. Josh Heupel's going to try to beat you by 100 if he can. And at this point, honestly, it has got such a strong air of arrogance surrounding what all they're saying about this game. More so than I've even seen from Clemson fans this offseason. And that's saying a lot considering the obvious rivalry that South Carolina and Clemson have with one another compared to South Carolina's still at this point annual matchup with Tennessee. Now, the reason I bring all this up, I was scrolling through Twitter on Thursday afternoon, and I came across this tweet from a guy by the name of Jeff Jarnigan, who apparently is the PA announcer. I kid y'all not. He is the PA announcer for Tennessee's football program. He had seen a different tweet of somebody associated with Tennessee in some fashion that was talking about how there was a couple games that worried him. And one of the games that guy brought up was South Carolina. So Jeff Jarnigan saw that tweet, quote tweeted it, and then posted essentially in response, South Carolina won't hear a single signal all day on offense. Tennessee wins that game by 28 plus. Essentially, Jeff from Tennessee decided to call his shot. Now, there's a couple different things to break down here. First of all, um, Jeff, you can't hear a visual signal. As far as we all know, uh, that's just not humanly possible. So, yeah, no doubt Knoxville is loud, but uh, you should have thought through that part of your statement a little bit more before you posted that. Secondly, the gall audacity for a guy that's literally associated with the football program, with Tennessee Athletics, he's not just a PA announcer for the football program. He's the PA announcer for multiple major sports up there at Tennessee. I have never in my life seen a guy with that kind of association with the school just go on social media and flat out say that he thought that the team he covered would beat the brakes off another team the following season. Much less a team that blew his respective team, out of the water the previous year. 
the way that Tennessee fans are talking about this game, honest to gosh, it's kind of like, man, should South Carolina even show up in Knoxville? Because the way Tennessee fans are talking this game up, they're going to beat South Carolina, and they're going to name their score while doing so. These volunteer fans are thinking that they're going to be able to win that game off pure emotion. Well, guess what? Bulletin board material does work both ways. And look, there's no question. After what happened last season, going into this offseason, you had all the bulletin board material in the world. And you still have more bulletin board material than South Carolina for sure. But with all the talk from your fan base, literally from analysts, people that cover Tennessee, and people now that work with the football program, work with the athletics department or the university itself, all those people saying how they are going to just literally drive up and down the field in South Carolina, they'll try to beat it by 100 if they can, you better be very careful what you wish for. You better be extremely careful. You're going to set yourself up for failure the way you keep talking. Because I can promise you, South Carolina's football players, as much as they might try to avoid this kind of stuff, I know that they've probably seen some of this crap on social media. I'm sure that there's people from South Carolina's football program, people that maybe work in the operations building, that see some of this stuff, and heck, maybe they've already printed out some of these tweets. Jeff's would be a great example, in all honesty. And they're going to be able to use all of that to their advantage. And Shane Beamer is going to be able to have the simplest and easiest message possible when this game takes place. All he's got to do is go in that locker room and say, they don't think anything of you. They think your win last year was a fluke. They think they're going to run you out of the building today. There's no doubt that some of the big pieces that helped South Carolina win that game last year are gone now. But you know who isn't gone? Number seven at quarterback. You know who also isn't gone? Number three at wide receiver. You know who still has the best special teams unit between both programs without question? South Carolina. And at least for that night, who had the better defense? South Carolina. Volunteer fans, and I know that national odds makers and pundits, when that game approaches, they're all going to make the same mistake. They're all going to sit there, and they're going to expect Tennessee to win by multiple scores. And you know what? Tennessee, maybe they do win that game. Maybe they still win 10 to 14 points or whatnot. But I'm going to tell you right now, blowing out South Carolina, you better quiet your own talk. There's eyes and ears everywhere. South Carolina, they're taking notice of what all you're saying. They are. And you know something? If there's anything that Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks have proven over the past couple years, you best not overlook them. Because if you do, that is when they're going to get you. You should have learned your lesson this past fall. And yes, most Gamecock fans... Did not expect the Gamecocks to beat you on that November night after what happened the previous week, but they did. And looking back, it's easy to see why that was the case. So, 
Take this as a warning, Tennessee. Just be careful how much you talk. Because again, bulletin board material, it works both ways. Knoxville is definitely a tough place to play. But you yourselves are also replacing some pretty big-time players. Hendon Hooker's gone. Cedric Tillman's gone. Jalen Hyatt's gone. Darnell Wright's gone. I hear those question marks about that interior offensive line. That defense that has to stay out on the field for the majority of ball games because of the way Josh Heupel likes to run his offense. If this game is close around halftime, the end of the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, I can't imagine the panic that's going to settle in in Neyland Stadium. Can't imagine it. South Carolina is not getting blown out. Certainly not getting blown out. Are they going to beat you by 25-plus points again like they did last year? Probably not. But South Carolina can definitely beat you. There's no doubt about that. So be careful what you wish for, Tennessee, or you just might get it. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on South Carolina's offensive line? Who do you think the starting five is going to be? What are your opinions on these true freshmen, the guys that are bringing to the three deep and two deep on both sides of the ball? And lastly, what do you think about all the talk that's coming from Knoxville, Tennessee? Do you think that they're going to set themselves up for failure potentially in week five this coming year? Do you think that South Carolina is starting to build up their own bulletin board material? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.